Welcome to the Pitching Backwards Lefties Get Loose podcast. Here are your hosts, Griffin and Welly. Hi guys, welcome back to episode 5 of Pitching Backwards. I'm Griffin Fabitz. Along with Kyle Wellman here. We are, before we get into everything, we're celebrating a, a big birthday here at the Pitching Backwards Studios. That's Kyle right. Wellman turning 16 years old. That's right. <laughs> uh, hopefully next week I can get my license. That's right. No, the big the big 20. Kyle, happy birthday. Thank you, Griff. Nowhere else I'd rather be. Is there a number 20? Like like when you turn 23, they call it like your LeBron year or your Michael Jordan year. Is there a, who's number 20? Uh, Barry Sanders. Barry, oh, I okay. I think. A Lions guy. <laughs> it's your Barry Sanders year. Awesome. So last week we had Corey Hart, who was awesome to talk to. This week it's just the two of us. And we're going to kick it off with some talks and discussions on the current state of baseball. One thing, and I guess this is a thought to kind of get things rolling, is we hear about July 4th as the day where Baseball should be played by then. That's kind of the target date. It's almost June. So here's what I was thinking. You'll need like at least two weeks for spring training. Two to three weeks for spring training. We're getting really close to we need to get things rolling. And I know there was a thing, there was today where players were going to be hit with a second proposal. It feels like in the next week or so, we'll have answers. Yeah, I mean, even this morning, I was on Twitter, and Jeff Passan was tweeting out about, he he said something along the lines of, today could be probably the most pivotal day in terms of, are we going to have baseball this season? You know, naturally, when you put it together and you hear that there's a second proposal coming out, I have a hard time believing that if the owners come back with something that doesn't make the players happy, that they're going to bury their feet in even more just to kind of keep that leverage for future communications. Um, I think I think it's important to understand that there are arguments for both sides. Truth be told, I kind of am unsure of even where I land on the whole thing. I mean, I don't know, you know how you feel, but I just think there's such a weird dynamic here of where is baseball going and how should each side handle the yeah. whole situation. It's not as cut and dry as we would all like it to be. And it's funny, too, we just see, like, on the surface, fans just see, well, are they going to play this summer or not? The intricacies behind the scenes, like, I am not envious of the decision that the league is in right now to do this. It was interesting to hear Corey Hart speak on this last mm-hmm. week, and his point was, I want to play, and I want to do anything to play. And if it's a money thing, well, that's just it. It is a money thing. And that's it's going to be really, really, it's, it's a sticky situation. There are no right answers right now. But, yeah, I mean, obviously we would love to see baseball. But if, if money is the reason why we're not playing this summer that's upsetting that's and like jeff Passan has said or who has said that Corey hart said this last week it's a it, it's a black eye for baseball mm-hmm. if money is the reason why yeah i mean and, but to the same point something that Corey pointed out and you know i think needs to be mentioned is he he made the comment something along the lines of a if you're a young guy who hasn't been paid yet you only got a couple years to kind of make your mark yep you know you and i know it firsthand being you know, te- like teams that have to grow their team. You know, you, you got your your big markets that can go out and sign guys, but these younger dudes are fighting for a spot and they haven't been paid. They haven't made their, you know, league minimum, which is, you know, in the minor leagues, we all know is 
not easy to just live on a minor league wage. So some of these guys, I can understand a perspective where they're saying like, hey, this is supposed to be a year where I'm, you know, it's going to be a contract year or something like that for me. Am I going to even have a chance to make my money? Mm -hmm. And in that case, can you blame them? I mean, you're talking about guys that are eating cold Chipotle for dinner every night that are sitting there licking their chops at a chance to play baseball, but they don't want to play for free at this point because you're so invested in that. The other thing that is interesting, so there's the money side of it, and then there's the the health side of it. And you heard Blake Snell last week say, I'm not comfortable playing right now. I don't want to be away from my family. I don't want to put my life. And a lot of people say, these are athletes, you know, 20s, 30s, they're in the best shape of, her, of their lives. My question is, as, you know, the league, like, higher-ups and stuff, how do you respond to that when you have players say, I'm not comfortable playing? I don't want to put myself out there and and possibly affect my family, and I don't want to be secluded from family, Mm -hmm. and I, I just don't understand how you bounce back from something like that. So here's the thing, and what will be interesting to me, and I'm not going to comment on how I... what I think will happen, but I'm interested to see. Blake Snell says this. What if today the MLB comes back and says, hey, we'll pay you a full year's salary? Does he still feel that way? Yeah. Or is he going to say, no, I don't feel comfortable and miss out on his, you know, which we all, you know, most people know Blake Snell is a severely underpaid player as it is, but he's making more than me and you. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think your Starbucks job pays pretty well, but. It does pay pretty well. (laughs) I uh, I think a lot of people are frustrated about that too is because in the time of a pandemic where everyone is affected, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily fair for multimillionaires to say, but what about my money when so many people are unemployed? I do understand Mm -hmm. that. But, and then, and then, you know, on the conversely, it is their right. Yeah. Just as much as it's, you know, you and I, I mean, sometimes, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, but we put these players on a pedestal and, you know, we don't, we don't always recognize that they deal with the same issues that we do. And, you know, maybe this whole going back thing causes, you know, mental health issues and, you know, along with the physical side of like, what if one of them gets COVID and you're in a clubhouse and you're, you know, it doesn't matter how many precautions you take, you put that many people together, you're going to be at risk. Yeah. And, you you know, whether or not you feel one way or the other about it is pretty unimportant. Because if one person feels uncomfortable, then... How do you justify that? Exactly. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to talk about. And I think it's something we have to talk about from both sides. Because there are so many sides, side stories, angles here. It's not... It, politics. It's, yeah, politics. It's such a gray area. Um, so hopefully we find out answers in the really coming days or so. Because like I said, it's almost June. By mid-June... If there's not a spring training 2.0, I don't know if there will be baseball played this summer. So m- these are really the most pivotal days right now in, the, in this entire process. Sure. And I think, I think more than anything, we just sit back and, you know, fingers crossed and pray, you know, to the baseball gods or whoever it is, that if we get baseball, it's under the right terms, people are taken care of, and it'll help grow the sport. And if we don't have baseball, let's hope that it, Again, it's under right, you know, the right terms. Guys are taken care of, and hope you know maybe even people will look at it and say, "Wow, the MLB actually cares about their players, and they're actually looking out for them." And and you know maybe there could be good out of this either way. It doesn't all have to be negative. I think you know that's an important aspect to point out as well. No, yeah, I agree. We'll move on. We can get lost in these topics, oh, yeah. and I love these, but I don't want to water it down. You found something on Twitter this week. I did that. We've kind of been <laughs> thinking so, about. We gave each other a little bit of heads up. And I still don't even know what I'm going to say when it comes my turn to answer this. The question was, who is your favorite all-time player 
that played for your team who who never played more than a year. So only your favorite team just one year. See, that's where I think like I think my number one pick, he didn't play two seasons, but he played more than one. Fernando Rodney. <laughs> was he there a year and a half? He was the, he like was there a like a deadline? year in like thirty seven games or something along those lines. I'll count it. That's a good one. Okay, that's so I'm gonna one. go with Fernando Rodney. You know, I loved when he would pull the arrow and his time in Seattle had one of my favorite Mariners losses of all time, which is hard to pick one because there's so many good (laughs) ones. But there was a game where he came in in a tie game. It was a non-save situation in like this, I think it was like the seventh or eighth inning. Struck out the last batter, still a tie game against the Angels. He pulled the arrow and shot it. Okay. And now we're going with this. (laughs) Well, naturally, in classic Mariners fashion. Angels come back, storm back to win it, neither the ninth or the tenth, I can't remember. And their, the entire Angels dugout is standing outside pulling the arrows. Mike Trout was too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of my favorite Mariners moments ever. And people hate Fernando Rodney, but people love him. Was there a brawl after that? Or not a brawl, but like a bench clear? Did they clear the benches because of that? I think that was the season that there was some drama with uh, Jared Weaver and Seager. Oh, okay. I think that was when that same Jared year. Jared Weaver hit Seager. And, you know, with all of his 82. Right. But, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I love that because... That's a good answer. Don't get a ton of a- ton of action with the Mariners sometimes. And so sometimes the drama gets a little fun instead yeah. of just... Losses can be fun. Right. Losing 8-3 yeah. to three on a Tuesday actually means something to me at that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, I have a few answers, and I'll make them quick. Well, no, I have one primary answer, and then I have two honorable mentions. So my primary answer is Ioannis Cespedes. Ooh. I, he was my favorite player at the time. And I was thinking about this, too. It's awesome when you watch a player for a while on another team and you think to yourself, man, how cool would that be if that guy was on my team? Like, and I got to, yeah, and I got, (laughs) and I got to root for him. That's how I felt about Cespedes because Tigers matched up with the A's in the ALDS in 12 and 13, got to watch him and just be like, this guy is fun. He's flashy. Mm -hmm. And in December of 14, they traded for him. I was, I actually remember where I was. I was at school. I got the notification. He was awesome, like so flashy and just so much flair. And like he was in a lineup too with Miguel Cabrera, JD Martinez, Victor Martinez. Mm-hmm. Like he just slid in and he was great. And then we, the Tigers only had him for half of a summer and then they traded him in 15. But those few months, he was like one of my favorite players. My honorable mentions are David Price and Justin Upton. And Justin Upton was there a little bit longer than a year, but mm-hmm. those and those three moves, like those guys, I like that too because that was done out of the front office wanted to win, and those were moves mm-hmm. that they believed would push the Tigers from good to great, and I respect that. Yeah, and those. I mean, those signings are always the most fun because yeah. I I think there's an aspect that goes unnoticed a lot in terms of like how baseball works the front office side of things is you don't always have the tools to make a playoff push in fact it's it's pretty rare that you'll find a team that's completely homegrown and you have to fill fill holes and as a fan it's really exciting when you understand that and you see your team making these moves because then it's like all right let's do this thing so for example you know, in two years when the Mariners get Edwin Diaz back, he's saving, you know, 72 games for us. Right. That's right. No, I agreed. Like, the older I've gotten and the more closely I've followed the Tigers, like, you kind of see, it's fun to see, like, okay, this is what they need, 
and then they just traded for this, I, you just feel so excited. Yeah. Like, you have no part in this, but <laughs> you just feel so great. No, and I, I mean, I really think, you know, having only seen a couple of Mariners teams that were, you know, good, you know, as much as I love them, I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see them kind of make a splash in free agency. And, like, those one-year deals, you know, I look at even, even like, Edwin Encarnacion, he was with the Mariners for half a year, you know, and he, he had a great season, but he was super fun to watch for a couple games because he was kind of the dude, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you've seen him hitting bombs in the playoffs and everything, and then he's hitting in Safeco or T-Mobile, and mm-hmm. like, it's cool to see them on your team, and I could see that with Yoenis especially. Oh, yeah. Well, the the other thing is our team's... Your your Mariners are probably a little bit more advanced in the rebuild than mm-hmm. my Tigers. Further along. But the cool thing about one-year deals when your team is in a rebuild is it is with the intention that they perform well in the first half of the season. You sign them to a one-year deal. They perform well in the first half of the season. Then you can flip them at the deadline. Mm-hmm. And then you can hopefully get some pieces that will make you contend a year, two, three years yeah. later down the road. So that's kind of a fun thing to, like the Tigers this offseason, sign Jonathan scope and cj crone do one-year deals i believe so i mean god i don't know what's gonna work now but if it was a regular season you cross your fingers that they do well and that you flip them at the deadline for a few guys who will make a difference in the next yeah jay you know the two, same thing kind of happened with jay bruce where they flipped into the, the mariners flipped into the phillies and ended up getting you know in one roundabout way jp crawford who's the, yeah. kind of their shortstop of the future so it's those one-year deals are really exciting to me and when i saw that question on twitter i just thought like what better way to talk about on pitching backwards mm-hmm. you know than to bring up obscure two signs, guys who've yeah. seen a whole bunch of players come through their team <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's tough to pick just one yeah um, okay, so we did that thing with Corey Hart. We did a thing called a power minute. It's very loose, 60 seconds, but we asked some rapid questions, and we had a lot of fun with that, and we got some feedback that that was cool. So we're going to implement that again this week. Uh, we have 10 questions for each other. We're going to put, a, again, a loose 60 seconds on the clock. Probably not even going to put time on the clock. We'll just ask questions. Do you want to go first, Mr. Wallman, or do you want me to go first? I'll let you go first. I'll ask the questions okay, first. Okay, you ask the questions first. Go sure. ahead. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. 60 seconds on the clock. <laughs> and go. Favorite ballpark you visited? Um, besides Comerica, Petco. As a journalist, what's the most fun interview you've ever done? Brett Phillips of the Kansas City Royals. We talked about walk-up music for this coming year, and his was going to be 1,000 Miles by Vanessa Carlton. <laughs> nice. Okay, um, if you could play poker with one current MLB player, who'd you play with? Um, Justin Verlander. I feel like he'd be a, oh, a good Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Poker, I can yeah. see that. Okay, favorite ballpark food? Um, I really love ice cream and the little helmets. Do you know okay. those? Yeah, 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 the yeah, mini yeah. helmets? You keep yeah. the helmet when you're done. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have like a million Diamondbacks yeah, yeah. ones. That's why I look the way I do. <laughs> favorite player of all time? Miguel Cabrera. Over Prince? No, oh, yeah, over Prince. Yep. Really? Okay, yep. that was why I tried yep. to get you with that one. Favorite current player? Um, well, Miguel's still in the league, so I'm not going to pick him. I love J.D. Martinez. I really love Manny Machado. Those are probably my top two. Yeah. Pick one. J.D. Martinez. Okay. That's a good decision. Yeah. You can add one pitch from baseball history to your arsenal. What do you choose? Her oldest Chapman's like 103-mile-an-hour fastball, which is about twice as fast as my fastball <laughs> is. So that would, <laughs> that would make me unhittable from the jump. Okay. Bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, game seven, you're down by three. Which former Tiger do you put in to hit? Maglio or Adonis? 
I, really? I trust him with the stick. Yes, over he's comfy. Biggie, over Prince. Um, Maglio and Prince are probably one A and one B. Really? Oh wait, no. What did I say? Maglio and Miggy. Did I say Maglio yeah. and Miggy? One A and one B. Okay. Yes, I would say. Delman Young was also freaking <laughs> awesome in the postseason. No way. So <laughs> don't bet against Delman Young. Did you ever see that video where he, in the minor leagues, got caught out on, on strikes? And through the, the bat? <laughs> through the bat at the ump. And it hit the umpire? And it hit the umpire, I watched yes. an interview with him about that, and he literally <laughs> says, like, he threw it, and he, just, he said he just walked straight to the, like, he knew. Like, he was oh, like, I've been in some serious trouble here. Yeah. Okay, sorry, before we get too distracted. It's okay. No worries. All right, so that was Power Minute presented by SeatGeek. No, we don't, <laughs> we don't have a sponsor. Um, all right, so now I have some questions for you. Coincidentally, we have the same first question. Favorite ballpark? Um, I I mean, besides T-Mobile, I'd actually have to go Petco as well. I love or San Fenway. Diego. Ah, Fenway. I'm going to go Fenway. Okay. I, I lied. Best game you've seen live? Okay, so here's a fun fact that you probably don't know. I've seen two games in my life where somebody hit for the cycle. Really? Aaron Hill against the Mariners. Okay. And Brock Holt against the Braves. How recent was the Brock Holt one? It was in 2015. Okay. He was with the Red Sox, and it was an interleague game, my only game at Fenway, so I'm going to go with that one. Coolest unis in baseball. Are we talking the new ones? No, all time. All time? Yeah. Boy, I... um, I'm going to give you some motivation. 70s, 80s. Like, that era of uniforms, I think, is really awesome. Like, I love old A's uniforms. Mm -hmm. Phillies have some cool ones. Okay, I really, really like the Giants. Um, They're cream with the pinstripes. Yeah. I really like those. I think those, because I like the black and orange. Okay. Go, Hendrix. If you you could play for any manager, who would it be of all time? Really? Yeah, I love him. I've always heard cool things about him. Too. Yeah, he, that's a no doubt. I loved when he when he managed um, Team USA in seventeen. I think mm-hmm. that was kind of like his last hurrah. That was that was awesome. Uh, if you could get lessons from any pitcher, living or dead, who would it be? Oh, Max Scherzer, man, not <laughs> even close. I don't even have to think about that one. Nice. If you could go back and prevent any baseball moment from happening, what would that be? Oh gosh, there was a start in. I think it was 2016 or 17 Felix Hernandez gave up like 10 or 11 runs in two innings against the Red Sox I mean he just got knocked around real hard and it was a really bad time of the season and I would change that because I felt like that was the moment where he started to decline beginning of the end and I remember knowing so I think that's probably the game I would change yeah what's the most devastated you've ever been as a Mariners fan Oh, when they uh, when they missed the playoffs in 2014, I remember I had uh, my mom had bought tickets to the game, oh. and she didn't tell me until after we found out that they lost. They were in the middle of their game; they had to win, and I think that Rangers had to lose. Rangers won, and it didn't matter what the Mariners did, and they lost. Yeah. They you know Corey talked about it; they were out by half a game. Mm-hmm. I cried, literally cried, <laughs> brokenhearted. Bunting in late innings to break up a no hitter is that bush league or is that fair? Fair. It's fair. A hundred percent. Really? Dude, so, uh, let me preface it by saying if it's a close game. I remember there was somebody who was throwing a no-no against the Mariners one year, and James Jones bunted. Remember James Jones? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and people were kind of mad about it because it was like the sixth inning or something. It was a one-to-nothing game. Yeah. I mean, as a pitcher, like, okay, yeah, I'll probably be like, mm-hmm. use a word or two. Mm-hmm. But 
I, I let them got to get a runner on. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you, you do it. You do what it takes to win. And if that's part of your game, and I think that's because we play West Coast baseball where guys mm-hmm. do that. If that's part of your game, I respect it. In two, th- I have a few more questions. But in 2011, I went to a Tigers game. They played the Angels. Verlander was throwing. He had a no hitter in the. He ultimately came four outs away from a no hitter. Mm-hmm. In the seventh inning, Eric Ibar bunted. I want to say Verlander picked it up, threw it away. They booed him like crazy. They booed Eric Ibar like crazy. But it was ruled an error, actually. So, so it kept the no-no. So it kept the no-no intact for, for the time being. But Eric Ibar got booed like crazy. And I was, I don't know, like 13, 14. And I was like, oh, people don't like that. Like, that's interesting. Um, so here's, here's another. It, it's going to make you think. Mike Trout is the face of baseball, right? That's Agreed. I think we can all agree on that. After him, who's next? Who's on deck as the face of baseball? Oh, dude, Jared Kalenic. Really? Double A for the Mariners. Yeah. He's a five-tool guy. I think he's the man. Or like a Wander Franco, mm-hmm. maybe Mackenzie Gore. Mm-hmm. White Sox have a few candidates. Yeah. Luis Robert, um, Eloy. Moncada. I, Moncada. Um, I was thinking Glaber, uh, Acuna, Tatis. Oh, so you're talking guys who are, oh, have already made the show. Um. Y- yes. Well, it's open-ended, I guess. Okay, so if if we're talking current major leaguers, I think Acuna, Acuna? is the next best. Vlad Junior, Bobichet. No, no, I no love Bobichet. Love Bob. I, I think I he's mean, got. I, a, I think he's a great player, but oh, I don't think I, he's the face. I th- oh, that's really? A, uh, not the not the face of baseball, but I think he can be one of those guys that that really make the game. And I'm talking about kids especially. I think kids can really look up to him in his game, and he's fun and he's exciting. And I think he has a pretty good chance to be that fate and a lo- and if he's alongside Vlad for you know five ten years I think that only only helps both of them you think cases. Bichette's good enough yeah I think he's awesome really I think he's awesome I mean he's like ten, he's like 10 years old I, lo- I know so, right now, I love that video where he faces Kershaw's 12-6 and you see him in the dugout yeah, and he's drawing that, it out bet. with his arms yeah. and he's like laughing like see, saying, like, I think that's good I think that helps I his case he's that. got a lot of personality he's fun okay um, and then my last question for this power minute that is extended into power minutes as a pitcher fill in the blank as a pitcher I think bat flips are blank awesome but not fun to have off of you okay so you respect it yeah I uh did you ever see my tweet that got retweeted by you Darvish <laughs> no <laughs> so I tweeted about we should have him on the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's get him he I retweeted or I quote tweeted a pitching ninja thing of K struts of guys like striking people yeah. out and like moonwalking to the dugout <laughs> and I said like hey if a pitcher strikes you out like he should be able to K strut but if you had a bomb off me like you know flip your bat I mean, I don't like it, and I'm. And you Dar- Darvish saw that. Yeah, you re- Darvish. Oh, really? Pitching Ninja retweeted it, and okay. then you Darvish retweeted it. My only 500 liker. Really? Call me an 500 club. Yeah. Um. That that's like a, a little gripe I have about Marcus Stroman. He dances, he celebrates, he shimmies, but he does not like when hitters celebrate. I think that needs to be a two-way street. I think you can get mad about hitters celebrating and still respect it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to get shown up. Right. But. There's a way to do it. I think a harmless bat flip, if you don't like it, look the other way. Listen, (laughs) anybody who's listening and has seen me pitch knows that I am very adept to the long ball. And about (laughs) once or twice a season, I'm due to give up one that's like. A tank? I would bat flip it. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. And I got to, you know, you get butt hurt, but like. 
at the end of the day, like, if you don't like it, be better. Get him yeah, out. Get him out. I agree. I agree. And if I strike him out, I'm probably going to pump my fist and act like a D-bag too. So, like, <laughs> let's just agree that it's okay. Yeah. Two-way street. Yeah. Perfect. It's fun. Well, do we have any parting thoughts? I have one more question for you. Okay. Since we're going to extend it anyways. Okay. Which MLB pitcher would you least want to fight? Least want to fight? <laughs> uh, Amir Garrett is up there because of what he did. <laughs> I think he earned the, uh, the respect of a lot of people last summer when he took on the entire city of Pittsburgh. Um, down the third baseline. Down the third baseline. <laughs> um, anybody? Oh, you know who? Uh, Michael Lorenzen. Dude, Sticking that was with the Reds. That you dude is that. That jacked. He's huge. Yeah, he's, he's huge. Like, he's like athletic, too. Yeah. Like he's not just like pitching big. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anybody who's like a bigger guy, Amir Garrett, or Roldis, I wouldn't want him to face. I don't know if I could. I probably couldn't last with anybody. Like you could I, probably take like <laughs> Jamie Moyer when he was when he was around at his current age. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, he was like eighty years old. You know who I league. would like never want to face is of all time is Roger Clemens. I oh think yeah, that dude's just or out like the Nolan board. Ryan with his Nolan old Ryan, man of country course. strength. I mean, yeah. that's a gimme, but that's a good one. <laughs> I like that one. Well, I think that's all we have for today. You know, Griff, as always, it's been a lot of fun and no uh, no other way I'd want to spend my birthday. There so you thank go. you. Happy birthday. And we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to Pitching Backwards, Lefties Get Loosed, a podcast about all things baseball. Give us a follow on Twitter at PitchingBCKWRDS and join us in loving America's pastime.